Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. The biggest secret of the best traders in the world is that they're just like everyone else. However, they've worked hard to learn the markets and discover what works and what doesn't. But how can you hear about these journeys and get in on the strategies and tactics they use? You can do it by listening to Chat with Traders. Here's your host, Aaron Fifield. Traders, what's going on? I hope you've been having an awesome week. This episode is actually a first for Chat with Traders because I'm telling you, I've actually run out of fingers and toes to count the number of emails I've received in the past month or so requesting an interview with a Forex trader. Initially, I was avoiding this area because my knowledge on Forex is pretty much non-existent. To be honest, it's just something I've never really traded. But when I was introduced to this week's guest, I knew he would be a great fit to fill the demand of having a Forex trader on the show. Joel Kruger has been involved with foreign exchange since the very beginning of his career in investment banking as a currency strategist. This was after he came to the realisation that he just wasn't cut out for law school. But nowadays, Joel is in the trenches as a self-funded Forex trader who has pushed on through many failures and created a tremendous lifestyle for himself and his family. It's also worth mentioning, even if you're not a Forex trader, Joel has a bunch of really good psychology tips that he shares throughout this interview. I also want to give a special thanks to the guys who submitted questions over Twitter before this interview. Joel does a great job of answering these, so keep listening. I'm sure you'll pick a lot up. Enjoy, guys. Speak to you soon. Hey, Joel. Hey, Eric. How's your day going, man? So far, so good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks a lot for coming on. No, it's great. I'm glad to be on. Yeah, it's great to have you here. You're actually the the first Forex trader I've had on the show. Ah, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, I've actually had a few listeners who have sort of reached out and say they'd like me to interview a few uh, Forex traders in the mix. So, here we are. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, you know, Ryan, who I guess reached out to you, um, had heard some of your stuff and he was excited about trying to get us to connect. So I'm very glad to be the first FX trader. And uh, have you had any exposure to the space a little bit? Or Yeah, so I mean, Forex is definitely not my playing field. I've never, never taken a, a foreign exchange trade. Yeah. So my knowledge in the field is a little bit limited. Yeah. So what I did this morning is I um, posted a tweet 
and I said to if anybody had any questions that they wanted answered around you know forex because you were coming on the show yeah and uh, we got a pretty good response so we'll be sure to sure to run through those sounds good all right well um let's get this underway by um, taking us back to the very beginning of your career. So we're keen to hear how you got started. So I guess I had a bit of um, an unconventional start um, into um, the market. I, I, I sort of, you know, I was going way back to my college years. I had, you know, I, I'm always surprised. I don't know where you were at, but I'm always surprised at how so many people have such a very strong idea of, you know, their direction um, out of out of university or co- college, and they know exactly what they're going to do. I had no idea what I was going to do, and so I I defaulted to going to uh, law school. Um, and and I, I had no intention of practicing law. Um, you know, I realized that very early on. Most lawyers realize that after a couple of years of practicing, I knew right away I didn't want to practice. But it was a few years to get a little bit of uh, experience. And then out of law school, I went into investment banking. Um, I, I sort of got introduced to the world of finance, and I thought that this was an exciting thing, not knowing much about it. I was a history major in, in college, and I went to law school. Uh, but I, I started out in investment banking, working in uh, an area called debt capital markets and then in when I was in banking I, I you know got exposed to the different areas of banking and one of those areas was um, you know that I I, I I remember one day I was working on a floor in the bank uh, working in this debt capital markets group you know sort of behind the scenes preparing deals putting together books and going out and trying to raise money for companies um, to to um, you know that needed loans to do deals and I had to go downstairs to another floor and this was the trading floor and I was I was like, why am I not down here? I mean, this is a lot more exciting. I mean, what the, what the heck am I doing upstairs in, on this other floor? And uh, so I, that was my introduction to the trading floor. And then I, I, you know, I was exposed to the different groups, and I, I was just immediately intrigued uh, to the FX desk and and you know um, all that it had to offer, and the fact that it was exposed to you know the entire it was you had this global macro desk that was you know gave you exposure to different countries and and you know you, the politics of different countries, the economies of di- different countries. And I just found it to be fascinating. So that's that's kind of how I got into FX. And uh, from there, it was just, you know, off to the races. Okay. So were you actually trading while you were working in investment banking? Yeah. So I was working in investment banking. And then when I transitioned to an FX, um, I, it was not on the tra- in a trading capacity. It was in a research and strategy capacity. Um, and so my career, um, you know, the, the, the breadth of my career and, and you know, the, the, a good portion of my career then was, uh, devoted to, you know, working on the FX uh, currency research and strategy side before then years later um, getting into the trading. Okay, right. So at what sort of point did you decide to leave those firms and become a full-time trader sort of playing with your own money? And what was sort of your motive behind that? Well, you know, I was always attracted to, I remember, you know, even you know, going back to my elementary school years, I was always attracted to, to markets and the idea of speculation. So, you know, that was what, you know, got my juices flowing. And so when I when I was when I was exposed to the FX desk and to this market, I 
I, I was drawn to the the idea of you know being able to you know speculate on markets that that I knew that were very difficult and that that you know probably one of the toughest things to do out there was was trying to you know beat the market uh, over time and so I was drawn to that so uh, when I got pulled into 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 this market and into the world of trading it was always because I had this idea of you know wanting to go off on my own I knew that this was a very lucrative career uh, or could be um, and there was intense challenge I'd come up in sports, and so you know, I think that athletes find you know a lot of similarities between trading and sports, and so I wanted to 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 sort of get to that point. But I knew that you know to jump right in for me, uh, you know, at that time wasn't going to make sense. I wanted to sort of learn about the market a little bit and and cover the market and and sort of be able to sort of you know figure out who I was and and what my methodologies and strategies were and what made sense to me because and we could talk about this, but. Um, you know, a lot of your trading is is a reflective of your or your approach to trading should be reflective of your personality as a trader. Um, so, you know, one st- a strategy that might be good for me, I'm I, for example, have developed a you know a more of a counter trend type of a trading uh, approach, and then that's maybe good for my personality as I'm maybe I'm a bit more of a contrarian in life, and I sort of like to go against the grain. And so, you need to find strategies that complement your personality. Um, and so that that's basically was a you know a path a, a path for me to find out who I was before, um, you know, taking that, that saying, okay, now I'm ready to get out there and, and, you know, put some real money to work. Yeah. Okay. Now that's really good. So when you did make that transition, uh, did you find it easier or harder than what you had sort of originally anticipated to trade your own money? I think that's a great question. I think, I think that, you know, it's, there's, there's no way that I'm going to stand here and tell you that, you know, once you jump into that water that, you know, maybe, you know, there are certain areas where I think it helped me a little bit. Um, but there, you're never going to, you're never going to really learn or, or feel what it's like to be a trader until you actually, you know, step into those shoes. So while I did have experience and an understanding of the market, you know, as far as trading was concerned, you know, you know, you you really only learn once you get your feet wet. And so, you know, when I stepped in, you know, there was a a still a nice learning curve before, you know, finding my stride. Yeah, okay. I'm keen to hear about that learning curve. So what would you say were some of the difficulties you experienced early on? I think the difficulty that I experienced early on that, you know, that's something that, you know, you need to figure out, you know, uh, quickly or sooner than later that just surprisingly takes so long. It's, you know, with trading, it's, 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 the thing about trading is that it, it's, it's, we make it more complicated than it is. And, and, and some of those things are just, you know, we have this built in sense of, um, you know, wanting to be right you know, intuitively, we want to be right. And, and, you know, especially, you know, maybe coming from the strategy side, you know, you know, you get into the market and you have an idea and, you know, you want that idea, you believe in that idea and you take the position and you, and you're, you're committed to that idea. And so sometimes your stubbornness and and ability to sort of, you know, understand that being wrong is a part of it, uh, is a tremendous obstacle and it can, it can be destructive. Um, and so that's something that you really need to, you need to, you know, get your ego in check. And with, with trading, it's always this big paradox because 
to trade, you need to have a tremendous amount of self-confidence and you need to, you know, you need to be able to, you know, be decisive and make decisions and, and almost have an arrogance about, you know, your opinion. But at the same time, you have to have a humility and, 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 you know, be able to say, okay, this is not working out. I'm wrong. I need to move on to the next one. And so these are things that, you know, it's, it, you know, I'm sure you've discussed with a lot of, you know, other traders that you've met, but the, the idea of sort of understanding how to take a loss is just, you know, there's nothing, I'd say that that's, you know, the biggest first step of getting on your way to trading is, is knowing how to take a loss. And for some reason, and, you know, just because of our nature, um, it takes a lot longer for, for us to, you know, for people to, to get over that. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard this, but, you know, intuitively, you know, traders, you know, are, are fearful in a winning position and they're, and they're hopeful in a losing position. This is the way that we're built in. This is how we're wired. So if a position is going in our favor, right? We're fearful. We see the money and we want to take it. And if a position is going against us for some reason, you know, the way we're wired, we're hopeful. We want that position to work out. And so it goes against us and it goes against us. And, and inevitably, you know, that that leads to, to a path of uh, disaster. And so what you need to do as a trader is you need to be able to flip that around. You need to be hopeful in a winning position and fearful in a losing position so that you see a position going your way. Don't, you know, you don't want to take off, you know, the, take off the, take the money off the table. You want to let the position run. And if a position is going against, you need to be fearful. You need to say, I need to protect my capital and preserve my capital um, at all costs. And so these are things that take, uh, that, you know, for, for many people, take a lot of time. And, and, and the, th- the funny thing is, is that, you know, so many people spend too much time, you know, reading books and focusing on strategies. And, and really, these are the obstacles that need to be, you know, you need to be handled first. And, and if you overcome these, then you're, you know, 90% of the way there. Yeah. So that's sort of borderline on the psychology of trading, which um, I'm really keen to get into that a little bit more with you mm-hmm. um, later in the interview. So I think I think you have some good points to share on that. Um, but how long would you say it was before you sort of found yourself to be consistently profitable with your trading? Oh, for me, it took many years. I mean, I would say, you know, for me, it took, I'd say, five to six years before I was, you know, feeling uncomfortable, um, you know, with my, with my trading. And, and a lot of that had to do with, you know, developing a methodology that made sense, an approach to market that made sense. Um, and, um, you know, just sort of fine tuning my strategy and, and, you know, and, and what I was comfortable with and getting to know the markets that I was looking at. So it took me, I'd say about, you know, there were a couple of years where, um, you know, I, I struggled and um, I'd say I'd say you know into my third year started to you know things started to come together a little bit and then and then by I guess five years out for me it was when I started to I, I guess you know start to feel really feel like I was you know um, you ne- you never want to be too comfortable you know that's for sure and I, I don't want to say that I'm comfortable to this day because you know the market will will knock anybody down but you know I, I guess as comfortable as I can, can be at this point it took it into my fifth year I'd say for some reason, people feel like they can jump into trading and be making money within a couple of months. Like, you know, but, but you know, you, people need to understand that, 
you know, this requires a, a tremendous amount of commitment and devotion like any other, you know, profession that you're going to, you know, uh, you, that you want to be involved in and that you, in that you need to be. And you need, it requires the same amount of passion and interest. And so these things, you, you're never going to jump into, you know, you don't jump in and you're not performing surgery on the first day you go to medical school. And so these things take time like anything else. And people need to understand that. And it's a process. And if you, if you have the passion and you're committed to it, then you'll get there. But it takes time like anything else. And people seem to forget that, you know, given the instant, instant gratification part of the of the business. But, you know, it's something that, that shouldn't be overlooked. That's a really valid point. So thanks for adding that in. I mean, I agree with you 100% on that. So let's run through some of these questions uh, from the listeners. So we've got one here and that's from John. And he says, were you successful in equities or futures? Um, so I think what he's asking here is, had you traded in other markets before um, actually zooming in on Forex and did you see any success in these areas? I had not. My first exposure outside of, you know, a retirement fund and, and trading, you know, in that in that capacity, which wasn't really trading, it was just, you know, sort of long-term investing. My first exposure to the world of trading was through the FX market. And, um, you know, for me, uh, that was where, you know, I'd come from a background where I didn't come from a finance background. And so the first market that I, I got my hands on was where, uh, where my focus was. So there was no experience on the equity side for me <clears throat> or on the commodity side, um, was right into the world of FX. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. So he's got another question here and that is, um, I think this is a really good one. Um, so in your view, what are the different dynamics and forces that separate FX markets from other instruments? That's a good question. Um, and so uh, FX is, I, I love FX and you learn to discover this as you uh, get into the market. The, the beautiful thing about FX from a trading standpoint is that there's no bigger market in the world. And so when you want to trade a market, you're looking for you know, two two major things when you're trading a market. You want to see liquidity and you want to see volatility. So you want to see the market is deep and you want to see that it moves quite a bit. And so these are two things that a large market is going to give you. And so FX is the largest market in the world. And so when you're trading it, um, it gives you certain advantages of, uh, you know, um, for example, um, you look at in other markets, you get gapping. So a market will, you know, close at a certain you know time one day and then open up at a different time the next day. And whenever it opens, and you see there's a large gap in the price. Um, in equities, you have earnings and 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 things that that come out pre, uh, you know, pre market. And so you know, with with those types of trades, when you're trading those markets, you know. You, there, there's a lot more of that. So there's a lot more of sort of I'm in a position, but I'm stressing overnight because the market's closed about you know what's going to happen, earnings, and you know with FX the market that never closes. So you know you open in Asia uh, or New Zealand, you open up on Sunday, and and you know the market closes on the New York close on Friday, and so you know, you're always there, you know, you always can see what's going on, the market's always trading. And so even though you have these events that are coming up that that can, you know, inspire volatility, um, you know, the market is so deep that you're not getting these, you know, penny stock like moves, and you're able to be there ahead of it. And, you know, the other great thing about FX that I find, you know, extremely attractive is, is you know, how um, accessible it is and how available it is at all times. So it's just, it's, it's a fantastic market in that you can be anywhere in the world 
um, and and basically from you know from the same hours. If you want to you know work from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., well, you can do that anywhere in the world and trade FX. You know, obviously you're trading different markets depending on where you are in the world. But you know, no matter where you are and what you're doing, you always you know can can sort of provided it's not the weekend or Christmas or New Year's, you're always you know you're looking at the market. So those are I think those are the key standouts for me. Okay, no, that's really well said. Um, so those were sort of mainly benefits in the favor of Forex. Would you say there are any disadvantages to it? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the one of the biggest disadvantages is really not a function of FX. Um, the the biggest disadvantage is is more right regula- regulation side, and so FX or or Forex um, gets a bad name. Um, not because of the market itself. People get confused. It's more because of the re- lack of regulation in the market and the amount of leverage that that you know retail traders are given and are afforded. And that's that's a big problem because you know when you ask somebody to step into a, a game where they have no experience and they need to put so little up on the table and and they're basically margining all that up and they're using you know their their hundred to one or two hundred to one or even you know people are crazy that. That, you know, brokerages have had to now, you know, come down to 50 to one, but that's even, that's crazy. And so, you know, if I give you, you know, um, $10,000 to trade and you're taking a million dollar position, um, well, you know, one move in the market is going to wipe out your account. So that's not reflective or it's not a function of the FX market, but it's a function of the leverage that's afforded to the trader. And that's been the killer. And that's been what's caused so many problems. It's, 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 you know, brokers taking advantage of and preying on, you know, the, new trader that comes in that doesn't know what he's doing that that wants to you know a lot of them are misguided and they just want to sort of they think they have that conceito mentality and the leverage you know lets them take advantage of that if i told you that you know fx now only had you know maximum three to one or four to one leverage well you know it wouldn't be the same market it wouldn't have the same attention and it would be no different than any other market you'd be putting your position down you take a hundred thousand dollar position and you'd have to you know put up a hundred thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars to trade that position and and so a movement of one or two percent really means one or two percent of your entire equity. So you take a hundred thousand dollar position, you put a hundred thousand dollars up, like you would in the stock market, and the market goes against you one percent, and you lose a thousand dollars. So you know that's the biggest problem is 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 the leverage. So if traders could just, I, I can't stress enough, the biggest you know thing that I can recommend anybody that's listening that's starting out is instead of taking ten years to keep blowing up and and trying to figure this out or taking a one year to blow up your entire account and walk away, take six months or a year and trade your account unleveraged. So whatever you put into that account, if you put $10,000 into the account, your position sizes should be $10,000 position sizes so that if the market moves against you one or 2%, that's how much of your equity you're losing. And if you do that, then you know, you'll be way ahead of the game. Yeah, those are really valid points. So uh, we've got another question here and that came through from Brad and he's asking, what time frames are you working on um, and how do you handle high volatility around news? So pretty much two, two separate questions there. All right. So the first, the first question, the time frame. So I, I, I consider myself to be a short-term trader, but I'm certainly not a high-frequency trader. I'm short-term in the sense that I'll take, you know, a couple of positions a week, um, and and you know, I'll sort of sit on them. I tend to focus in on um, really, 
the four four major time frames for me are hourly, daily, weekly, and monthly. I don't generally look at anything shorter time frame than hourly. Um, and and for my positions, I, I tend to sort of start with the 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 bigger picture. So I'll look at a monthly and a weekly and a daily chart, and I'll try to get the bigger picture to determine um, you know what my views are. And and uh, I also like to I, I, consider, I consider myself to be techno fundamental. So you know I I try to 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 sort of look at everything and, and sort of I have a fundamental view. So if I feel that right now the euro um, has broken to a fresh 11-year low against the dollar, um, trading down below 110, I feel fundamentally, um, you know, clearly the trend fundamentally has been in the dollar's favor given the Fed's, you know, uh, impending rate rise and the differentials between the central banks, between the Fed and the rest of the world. Fundamentally, the dollar's been benefiting tremendously. But maybe fundamentally, I believe that, you know, today's uh, employment report out of the U.S. might, there's a risk that it might, you know, come in lower than expected. Um, so, uh, so maybe I believe that maybe there's a risk for the dollar to come off. So that sort of starts there. And I look at the chart and I see that the euro is dramatically overextended on the monthly chart and on the weekly chart and on the daily chart. So now I understand this big picture. And then now intraday, I start to look at the hourly chart. And once I see the hourly chart is sort of looking at a point where, you know, I feel there's a good entry. So I try to isolate my entries based on the short time frame, but I formulate my ideas on the larger time frames. I don't tend to look at anything below an hourly chart or shorter time frame than an hourly chart. Okay, how do you handle high volatility around news? So uh, with this, um, you know, I would recommend I, personally. I, I think whatever you do, you need to be consistent. So people always ask me these questions: Do I trade around news? Do I not trade around news? You know, if you have a strategy that is sort of, you know, tech, purely technical, but you have to deal with these things, then I think the best thing to do is to sort of commit one way or the other. You say, okay, there's a big news event today, and I have this strategy that tells me to buy, and I don't know what to do because, you know, there's this news event. I think you need to decide whether you're going to, you know, not trade around large news events or you are going to and then just you know let it be and so you know if you're as long as you're consistent you'll, you'll again it goes back to psychology you need to make sure that your head is on right so if you're consistent now you'll know that you'll benefit just as much from the strategy in those times as you will not benefit from it but at least you'll know that um, you know that, that you sort of eliminated that doubt in your mind um, I personally don't I, I'll trade at any time um, with exception of course uh, um, but you know, I don't. I don't let. I, I actually welcome the volatility from the fundamental um, event risk. I, I welcome it because it's just an opportunity to sort of act as a trigger um, for you know the the trade that I'm expecting. So if technically, I think there's going to be a rebound in the euro today. Maybe um, I'm excited about the non-farm payroll number in the U.S. because that could be that spark that gets that volatility going. So for me. It's I, I trade no matter what, but my recommendation to to the to the to the um, to the fellow asks is just to try and be consistent. So if you want to trade news, if you, if you want to trade around news, or then then be consistent and always trade around news. And if not, then 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 don't. Okay, that's that's really great. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing on that. And um, another question here came in from Glenn, and he's asking more specifically around what do you look at for entries and exits. Okay, so for me, um, I use uh, so so exits is 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 the exits is the 
hardest part for traders to, to well, exit when, when you say stop loss, I'm assuming, um, is the hardest part for a trader to initially overcome and to, to, to get over it, be able to take a loss. But it's so easy to do. So from strategically, um, you know, when you're, it's very easy to say, okay, I, I look, I'm looking at this market and if it doesn't work out, I'm going to get out here. That's very easy to do. And so taking a loss or understanding that, you know, if, if I lose more than 1% of my equity or whatever it is that you do, that that's the easy part. the The hard part is is the and I'm still learning to this day is you know the, the risk management once you're making money in a trade. But specifically, um, I use two in- indicators um, as a contrarian. I, I like to use two indicators. One is called RSI, um, Relative Strength Index, which you know is is well known across all markets, uh, which gauges you know how the market's performing relative to recent price action, and it's it's an oscillator. Uh, which basically means that the 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 indicator will, as, as it goes from zero to 100, um, anything when the indicator is showing above 70 is considered to be technically overbought, while anything while the indicator shows below 30 is considered to be technically oversold. So that's sort of a starting point for me. Um, so I'll only look at at markets really. I I, I go well. On, on both extremes, I go well above 70, I look at only and well below 30. But uh, that's where I start to look for entries, sort of when an RSI shows that the market's, you know, uh, deviating from its mean, um, and the market's sort of moving a little bit out of control. Um, that's when that's when I that's when I first sort of get that light goes on. I also see use something called ATR, uh, which is average true range. It's an indicator that, you know, many know, but but a lot don't. And it's for some reason, it's, it's not used as much. And I think it's just it's a very very easy to use indicator, simple. Um, there's nothing to it, and it's so valuable. And, and it basically just tells you, based on the last you know several days, what the average range of the market you're looking at, it, at what, what you're the what the average range of the market that you're looking at is. So, if for the euro, if it's 100 points a day or 100 pips, um, you know that that you know that's the average range a day. So when you're in the middle of it, and if something's going on, um, and the market shoots up 100 points. You know, from high to low within the middle of the day. Well, you can at least find comfort in the probability that okay, the market's already now matched its average daily range, so maybe it's not going to move much more. So it, these are tools that give you, you know, that help give you confidence. And so these two things I use um, to help with my entries um, and and my exits as well. So for example, I might use an RSI to tell me that uh, the market's oversold. It looks like it's bottoming here, and so I might use that to get in. You know, looking at a higher or low, and, and I might use that as an entry. Entry. And then maybe I'll use the ATR uh, for an exit, you know, knowing that, you know, okay, I got in, now the market's moved uh, to its, you know, uh, so, so its average range high for the day. It's moved within that range. So I'll use that as an idea to exit the position. But generally speaking, from a risk reward standpoint, um, you, you know, you always want to be at more than one to one risk reward. You know, a lot of people will tell you three to one, four to one. It depends on your strategy. But you should always be thinking, you know, I want to make more than I'm risking. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money. 
and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, um, Joel, we've got another question here that's come in. And I think a few people sort of probably share this, this viewpoint and um, this guy says, we know Forex is where fortunes are made, but in most cases lost. In truth, is Forex best left to the pros? What's your take on this one? Uh, you know, my take on this goes right back to that question we talked about when we talked about the disadvantage of FX. It really is is nothing to do. It, it, it's, 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 there's no better market in the world to trade than the FX market. The problem is, is that when you open up a market to people that are just getting in and you give them excessive leverage, that is why these people are, are having a hard time. So certainly, um, certainly engage in the FX market. You're not going to, you don't, you, when you trade, you need liquidity and you need volatility. And these markets are open all the time and, and this is, and they're efficient and there's no more efficient market than the FX market. So it's, it's, it's a fantastic market to trade. The problem is, is that people just get sucked in and they get their victim to the leverage and they don't know what's going on and they don't understand. If you would just make sure that your account is ask your broker or make sure to set your settings at, you know, know, leverage of maximum five to one, you know, then you'll be fine. And, and, and you'll find that it's no different than any other market, except for the fact that you might have a little more volatility, which is great, which is, you know, giving you opportunity. Okay, cool. That's really good. So we'll, we'll take one more um, listener's question. And uh, that's from Phil. And his question's pretty much around, do you have sort of like a daily routine that you follow each day um, before getting ready for the market? Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I tend to follow a routine. I, I, I never really left um, the research side. That's still a part of me and it's a great part of my process. So I recommend to everybody, I, you know, I am constantly, I, I basically, I get up in the morning um, and uh, I scan. I, I, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I am constantly watching the market. I find myself getting up in the middle of the night, not because I'm stressed about the market, but just because I'm excited about it. So I'll, I have, you know, I have my, my monitor, you know, or next to my bed. Or I have, you know, my, my rates. So I, I check. Um, but when I get up, I, I generally, you know, take a quick look and see what's going on, um, you know, and, and then I, I start to. I start to, you know, I start the process of scanning through the markets and looking for where I think there might be opportunities, but not looking to force anything. And then, you know, um, I have a process of of writing. So uh, for me, um, it's it's a wonderful process. I try to sort of get out and formulate my ideas. You know, just not not necessarily about a trade, but you know, just what I'm thinking that day, how I'm feeling that day, what I think about the market. And it's, it allows me to maybe have a little bit, take on a little bit more of a, an objective approach or, you know, it's, it's a, maybe a bit of a therapeutic process and it helps me because I find that, you know, one of the big 
problems with traders is also that traders are, are too impulsive. And so if you're able to sort of, you know, pen down your ideas or pen down what you're thinking and, and take it, then it keeps you honest. So for me, it's about, you know, getting, you know, going through that process and sort of, you know, figuring out what it is that I'm thinking and, and sort of, you know, keeping myself, you know, allowing myself to stick to that. I think that in life in general, you know, when you want to do something, there's no better way uh, of being able to sort of follow through than telling yourself repeatedly that you're going to do that and reminding yourself repeatedly that you're going to do that because, you know, it becomes you and it, you can't you can't prevent that from happening. So if you want to take a trip to Hawaii and this is what you're, you know, you're committed to, then then get that picture up. Talk about it every day. And the more you do it, the more it sort of becomes a reality. And that's very important in life as it is in trading. So you need to be able to get that out. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's about putting things down on paper and writing them. And then the biggest, really, the, 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 this might be a surprise to a lot of you, but the biggest um, thing, uh, luxury that you have when you're trading on your own is, and something that's really necessary and something that, that people that are trading professionally at banks and hedge funds don't have is the ability to walk away. So I'm a lot of the time during the day, I'm, I'm completely away from the market. I'm completely removed. And I have, you know, I have my alert set up, which is critical to me. I get them by my phone if something's moving. Um, otherwise, I just sort of step away. And I, 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 you know, I look into other things that I'm doing in life. And, and if the market comes to me, that's great. Then it comes to me. But don't force your positions. Let the market come to you. So a lot of the day is just, you know, going around, you know, doing, going for a run, um, <laughs> doing some shopping, um, you know, looking at other things. You know, I, I do some consulting work um, and waiting for the market to come to me. Um, and, and so that's pretty much it. I mean, as far as my, my routine is concerned. That's really cool. So let's, um, now's probably a good point to sort of roll into a bit more on the psychology of trading. Um, and I believe you recently spoke with, uh, I hope I pronounced this right, a psychotherapist um, about how to reduce trading stress. So what were some of the best pointers you took away from this? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, it, it's, again, there's nothing more important um, than, than psychology as far, you know, when you're trading. So again, I can't stress enough I find that too many people focus in on, you know, going out and buying books on what strategies to take and how, what risk management they should apply without really understanding that, you know, intuitively, if you just look at a chart and you sort of pick out, you know, what you think is going to go on, that's the, just start like that. And, and don't worry as much about that side. I'm not saying that that's not important, but you need to have a sound uh, mind and you need to have a healthy mind. And if you're, if you feel good about yourself and you feel confident, um, then that is what's going to, um, help you along the way. And, and so that's the most important thing. And so some of the takeaways, you know, from this were just, you know, there's a lot of this, you know, you know, when you're trading a lot, unfortunately, a lot of what, what trading brings is, you know, there's this world of, you know, this, this mentality of, you know, being impulsive and, and this conceit like mentality where I want to win and I want to make a lot of money. And, and so you need to figure out who you are and what, what your motivations are. Um, when you get into this. And so if, you, if your motivations are right and you, you, you want to be in this for the long term and you see that this is and you realize this is not an overnight um, thing, uh, that, um, that, you know, that's what's going to help your process. And so I guess the biggest takeaway is really understanding yourself, knowing who you are and, and, and knowing what your uh, limitations are and what, what, you know, what, what risks there are to your own personality, what things, you know, might cause you trouble. 
um, and being able to know how to handle those things in life, not in trading, but in life, knowing that, you know, if you're an impulsive person, try to, to figure out things that might, you know, tips that might help you be less impulsive. If you find that, um, you know, you're taking, uh, you know, too big risk, well, there's obviously something inherent into you, in the, built into your, you know, personality that is, is making you, you know, want to do that. And that, that extends to the way you are in life. So it's understanding, you know, who you are as a person and trying to have some sort of a mechanism that you set up to sort of self explore within and understand how you're going to overcome those those setbacks in your personality and then once you understand you know and you have a strategy with that in life and then you approach the markets you'll find that it makes a world of difference so it's really just you know figuring out who you are as a person in life and figuring out what your drawbacks and limitations are and, and you know who you are as a person and then you know working on those things and 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 bettering yourself as a person and then that will help in your trading so if that helps at all i hope that makes sense yeah definitely that's that's great so how do you handle a run of losing trades and what would you suggest to other traders who might find this hard to deal with? So the first thing I would ask, and we keep going back to this, is you know uh, the first thing you need to make sure of is it's a lot easier to swallow a round of losing trades that are with with little leverage than it is with a round of losing trades where you're leveraged up at a hundred to one. So um, that's the first thing. So that's that's easier said. You know that just you know make sure that you're not trading on excessive leverage because if you're doing that, then three or four losses is going to be um, you know um, life threatening. As far as your trading is concerned, is uh, career is concerned, versus three or four losses where you're, you know, unleveraged and taking, you know, a one percent hit on each or two percent hit on each trade. Um, so that that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, you just, you, you know, you need to go again. This all ties into the psychology of trading. You need to understand that that's a part of the process. You're going to go through periods where um, you're going to. Um, take hits on trades. And so if you understand and you believe and you know that this is a part of the process that there are these periods, just like if you have a regular job or another job, you're going to have you know bad weeks and that's going to happen. And you're going to go into the office and you're going to have stretches where things are, you know, not, you're not hitting it. You're not on your game. And that's fine when you're in, you know, an, an, another job, which many of you are out there, you know, you know that you have these periods, but you don't get too down. You know that you're having a bad day or a bad week, but you know also confidently that you know things are going to turn around ne- next week and you don't even stress about it because you know that you have that confidence it's the same thing with trading i mean you're going to go through these periods and you need to be able to be positioned right so that you don't take huge hits on each trade uh, but but other than that you know you just you just understand that that's a part of the process and and i think that 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 helps tremendously uh with that now i will say one other thing um it, and i you know, people try to quantify how they should trade and what strategies they take. There are a couple of rules, or there's one one of the the key, the best things that I've applied in a qualitative way, not not quantitatively, but is just to if you just say I'm going to make sure that I love every trade that I take, love, not like, but love every trade that I take. You'll find that that's an amazing risk management tool because there's so many trades that you'll take where you you just like them. You, you know, you say okay, this looks good. I'm going to take it. I kind of want 
action, you know, and I want to get in. So I, I like it. So I'm going to take it. And then it doesn't work out. But what happens when you do that is when you take trades that you like, you find that you're taking them a lot more often, right? And you find that um, when they don't work out, you're kicking yourself. You're saying, oh, why did I take that trade? But if you take a trade that you love, then they come around less frequently, which is great because they still come around a lot. And when they don't work out, Okay. When they don't work out, there's no, you're not looking back and saying, oh, maybe I shouldn't have taken that. You know that you should have taken the trade and that it just didn't work out because that's the way the markets are. So that's, I think, a, a very big secret for me. It's helped me a lot in my process where I, I don't force anything and I only take trades that I know that if they don't work out, that I'm not going to regret. Yeah, that's great. I really like that one. Um, and I read this, this kind of leads into it. And I read this on your site and I think it would be great if you could expand on it just a little bit. And that was a line that read, failure as a stop on the path to success. So would you like to share with us sort of the importance of understanding this statement? Yeah, I, yeah. So, so that comes from, uh, I, I believe, I, I mean, I, I, you're pulling something from uh, one of my favorite quotes. It's from a Bob Dylan song. Um, but, but basically, you know, the, the, the path to success is rooted in failure. And, you know, you can you need to understand that and so if anybody you know it's it's like you know when you look at the world of um you know sex and glamour and and supermodels you know people people get this supermodel idea where you know right away you look at a supermodel and you're like this is what my idea of a woman the perfect woman is and and you know when you look closer you realize that that's not a reality that that's not that's not life that's not the way things are and so you know things don't just happen you know there's there's maybe you know the lottery ticket person or the the super brilliant person who you know hits his stride right away but you know certainly from my point that that didn't happen and and you know things take time and there's a lot of you know, failure along the way and and failure in a good way it's it's you can't you can't learn without failing and if you feel if you're afraid to fail then you're not going to be able to succeed and so this is and, and failure. It's such a harsh word, and it, there should be another word for failure in a positive way. But you know, it's it's just a part of the process. And if you can't fail, then you're not going to learn. You know where the mistakes are and how to correct them are. And and you know, it's it's so important to be able to go through the process and say, you know, I know that that I'm not going to this. You know, I'm probably not going to succeed right away. And if you have that, then then you know, it just all of a sudden it opens you up to success if you're willing to embrace that. And and not only that, but you know, I'd like to think that you know, the harder you struggle, you know, the more you can sort of look back and say, wow, you know, look at look what I went through, and you know, you could feel better about your achievements and and feel better about yourself as a person that you worked really hard. I mean, who wants something that's going to come easy in life? You know, it just doesn't. You know, we all say we do, but is there anything to that? I mean, do you really? What kind of person are you if if you know things just go your way all the time? It's you're not interesting. And, uh, you know, you probably develop a pretty, you know, warped perspective of, of the, the world around you. It's just not, it's not fun. I mean, so we need to struggle. Um, and, um, and it's certainly been a part of my process and something that I, I embrace. And, and, you know, you, you come through so much stronger from the losses than you do the wins. I mean, you know, you, you come out on, if you come out on, if you can get through that other side of a loss, I know many of you out there have probably traded and you've blown up your account, but that's fine. That's good. That's part of the process. You know, if you can get through that and get up and say, you know, okay, I screwed up and, and I made a mistake, but that's fine. That was, that was supposed to happen. Then you're going to come out so much stronger. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice right there. 
All right, Joel, well, this sort of brings us towards the end of the interview, but um, I mean, it's been awesome having you on. So before we go, um, we'll just go to the closing bill, which is just a short um, lot of questions that I ask to all the guests. Um, so the first one would be, is there any piece of advice that has really stuck with you ever since you originally read it or perhaps even heard it? You know, I think I think the best piece of advice that I've had over the years is just to keep it simple. Um, you know, uh, I think that, you know, if you keep it simple and you don't overwhelm yourself with, with, you know, people are always asking me about, you know, when should I take profit? When should I get in a position? If I'm, you know, 5% within my profit, should I take the profit or should I wait? You, you need to trust yourself and you need to keep it simple. And, you know, the, a lot of the problems that traders have are not on anything complicated or they're simple, silly things. So if you keep your strategy simple and you focus on, you know, the psychology and, and just understanding, you know, what it is that you have within your capacity, you, you'll be fine, you know? So just don't try to overcomplicate things. Keep, simplicity is genius and keep it simple and, um, and you'll be fine. Okay, great. I like it. Um, knowing everything you do now, would you have done anything different come day one again? Ooh, uh, looking back, if I had I perhaps, you know, yeah, these these questions are always difficult because you know you you look at your life and you sort of try to look back and say that this is you know how I can. I, I guess I would have um, I would have if I could do anything differently, I would have you know not gone to law school, I guess, and just gotten gotten right into the market right away and got maybe a bit of an earlier jump. Um, on, uh, you know, in trading, but, but, you know, you never know what it is that you're going to do until you figure it out. So, you know, I can't, I can't feel too bad about that. Um, and, and maybe, you know, just, you know, f- maybe, you know, getting in and not wanting to, to, if I could go back, not want not wanting to sort of feel rushed about needing to succeed. I think that, that, you know, that, that's a, you know, a big, um, problem for, for traders that are younger and they're starting out. You just, you feel you need to hit your stride quickly. And maybe because I came over from the strategy side, I felt that I needed to, you know, accelerate that process and get there quicker or I deserve to. And, you know, maybe I was trading a little bit more aggressively. Um, so one of the things that I, um, you know, and so I was maybe using a little bit more leverage than I should have. So I guess one of the things that I've, I've for my, for, for my, you know, people that I've said over the last couple of years is I, I posed this something, something called the unleveraged challenge, which is specifically for FX, given the leverage that people are afforded, you know, is to, you know, take one year, like I talked about a little bit earlier, take one year and forget about making money. Don't focus on the dollars and cents. Focus on the percentages and trying to succeed. And don't worry about the money. And and so open up a small account of, you know, a few thousand dollars or whatever, even a few hundred dollars you can do. And, you know, you need to feel like you have skin in the game, but open up a small account and trade that account unleveraged for one year. Give yourself one year where you are completely removing yourself from the idea that you're going to hit it out of the park and make a ton of money. Forget about that. Just try and focus on and enjoy the process of trading without the money, worrying about the money and the losses and the wins. And just focus in on, say, if I can trade unleveraged for one year and generate 10% returns, or even in my first year, if I can generate positive returns, then I will know that going forward, that if I leverage myself up, because you can in this market, a wonderful thing about FX is that you can leverage yourself up tremendously, that you can scale yourself up. So you don't have to worry about that. So do that for you know one year and, um, and then you'll find that um, you'll be on your path to success much quicker. Good one. 
I'm just going to throw another question in there. And um, when it all boils down, what would you say motivates you to trade? Would it be, you know, the money, the lifestyle, the freedom? Like, what would you put it down to? I think if I'm going to be completely honest, um, at the end of the day, for me, it's it's the challenge of it. It's the challenge. It's knowing that so many people fail at this, you know, knowing that it's 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 just, it's been this impossible obstacle for so many people to overcome and knowing that the rewards, if you can get it right, are so tremendous. And so that is, I think, what it's just, it's just, you know, getting up every day and knowing that, you know, you're trying to, you know, tackle something that is just so difficult for so many people. And it's like, I, I'm never going to be a professional athlete. I just, I never will be. I, I don't have the, the, the build or the skill to be a professional athlete. But with this, I know that if I dedicate myself and I devote myself to, you know, trying to overcome these things that are, again, there a lot of them are rooted in psychology. If I can overcome, and they're simple, but yet they're so difficult. If I can overcome these things, then I can get to a level just like anybody else out there that that's sort of, you know, succeeding in this business. And so the idea that I know that with this, I can get and reach that highest level and I have the capability of doing so. And yet it's so difficult and challenging um, is probably at the top of the list. Obviously, the lifestyle is tremendous. Um, you know, if you can do it, then, you know, having that time to, to sort of be able to focus on other things and not having a, you know, a boss above you that, you know, is, you know, stressing you out about things is tremendous. But at the end of the day, for me, it's just it's just being attracted to that that challenge um, of, of something, you know, and speculating something where it's so exciting and it's so difficult um, is, is I guess what draws me the most. All right. That's great. I mean, Joel, this has been awesome having you on and I really appreciate you going into so much depth and the, and the answers. It's been really good. So um, before we, before we go, do you want to share with listeners where they can uh, find out more about you? Uh, sure. I mean, if anybody, if anybody wants to, um, you know, reach out, uh, I have a, a, a blog that, that I, I write on every day. It's called JK on FX, JK on FX. Um, you know, g- come over and check us out and, you know, all the information's there and, um, you know, always feel free to reach out to me. I, I love engaging with, um, with traders and, um, anything I can do to help. Um, you know, I, I always try to get back to people as soon as I can. And, um, you know, that's another great thing about this market. It's a global market. And I, I probably one of the best parts of my career is, is, you know, you know, when you're trading FX, you, you meet so many people from around the world and it's just, that's amazing. I mean, you just, you get to meet people from Australia and New Zealand and South Africa and South America and Asia. Uh, and, and so it's just, it's just been amazing. So reach out, come over to, to the blog if you want and um, happy to help you in any way I can. Awesome. I appreciate that, Joel. Um, are you also on Twitter? Oh, I am. Yes, I'm uh, at Joel Kruger on Twitter. So um, feel free to, to come over and, and check me out there as well. Awesome. All right. Well, all those links will be in the show notes at chatwithtraders.com as per usual. Thanks, Aaron. It's great. It's great. I really appreciated being on and, and uh, it was a pleasure. Not a problem. All right. Thanks a lot, Joel. Let's uh, keep in touch and we'll speak soon. Okay. Have a good one out there. Take care. You've come to the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but don't worry, more great episodes are on the way. To stay updated with each great new episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and we'd love it if you leave us a rating and review. We'll see you next time on Chat with Traders. Oh, 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 o